0: Good morning. My name is Adam. I am uh, one of the pastors here at Bethany, and I want to welcome you. Uh, if you are here week in and week out, you know um, I played that video because you walked in uh, to the middle of some grieving. Uh, we've been grieving this week. If you're new to Bethany, I want to introduce you to um, Cliff and Donna Snader and their family. Uh, Donna passed away suddenly uh, in her fifties this past week, unexpectedly and had her funeral service here yesterday, and so it just left us this week grieving. It uh, put us kind of, uh, this the reminders that you hear, some of you recognize Chuck Swindoll's voice there, uh, to trust God, and it can be tough in seasons like this. Uh, Cliff and Donna, um, if you're not, Familiar with Bethany, they've been here a long time, been an instrumental part of this church. If you are new to Bethany, and you've probably met them because Donna just has done a phenomenal job. She used to sit right down over here, and anyone who was new, she would have the warmest welcome for you. So we grieve, and not only is it just a grieving week, it's been a grieving year. Um, Last year at this time, we were almost, almost a year ago, we were gathered outside in our graveyard here um, to just grieve with the Zemer family as they lost their baby. Um, we move into the winter and had, some of you know Lee and his tragic motorcycle accident that came a year ago in October, and he is now battling paralysis and severe pain, Uh, We continue that journey, and some of you remember Calvin Souter and his sudden passing um, last, it was December, November. Uh, We move in with our sister Nancy, who's been battling pancreatic cancer, and she passed away here a few weeks ago. We had Ryan, some of you remember Ryan and the the food truck explosion and his tragic, just the trauma of um, that, and now Donna. So we grieve. So what I want to do this morning... Uh, we, lay our, we lay our messages out months in advance, and that's why we put together these journals then. It, it's why we lay them out so far ahead, so we can have this journal, which run on page, um, I believe page 14 of the new journal, if you have it. Uh, so we lay them out. So what we're going to do this morning is I'm going I'm to stick on course, right or wrong, after first service, I'm like, maybe I shouldn't have, um, but we are gonna, but I am going to alter course, and I'm going to talk about the sabbatical that I was on. That's a part of. It's important to talk about not just because it was my journey, but it really impacts all of us. But I'm also going to talk about just some grieving. I want to bring in what led into my sabbatical, which I wasn't going to share, but I am going to share now because I think it's where we're at right now as a church. Uh, so before I do that, I want to mention, though, next week we start a brand new series that I know we look around this week and we're, we're kind of thinking, well, maybe we should just go into one service because there aren't a lot of us this week because all of your friends are off hanging out at the beach, right, or the mountains or wherever else, and we're sitting here going, gee, I wish I could have gone with them. Uh, but I'm glad you're here. You're going to be blessed. I really believe that. But next week we start a brand new series, and I think it dovetails with kind of where we're at right now. Um, coming out of the service yesterday, there's so many people, as you look at this family and say, Why? Why? I don't know if about you. Have you ever been in a season where you're asking God a question and you're wrestling and you're asking why? Or maybe it's not a death, but it's a tough decision and it's you're thinking, man, I don't know God and you're wrestling. Or maybe it's just a problem that you're trying to for, a broken relationship. And I, I look at this empty pew and sometimes it feels like in your relationship with God, you're looking at an empty seat and you'd think, man, if God were here and he could talk to me and tell me, and, and boy, it would be so much better. Have you ever felt that? I don't know about you, but I've been there thinking, man, if he were across the table and just give me an answer, uh, well, Jesus, in, in the series we're going to do, we're going to talk about that because Jesus, in his final moments with his friends and followers, he says, I'm going to go away, and they're like, please don't. And he actually makes this powerful statement that says, it's best for you if I do. Greater things will happen. And then he kind of says this. This is the paraphrase of it. He basically says to his followers, the Jesus in you will be far better than the Jesus beside you. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. I would much rather have you sitting right there and give me an answer than, no, well, no, no, wait a minute. So what we're going to do with this series is we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus says it is better that he left so he could leave himself in us and with us So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, and we aren't going to get into really all the theology and the teachings and the doctrines of the Holy Spirit as much as we are, how do we then, okay, Jesus, if you say it's better, how do I engage and talk with you and really hear you and allow you to do the things that you have been left here to do? That's next week, and then the following three weeks after that. So invite a friend, Uh, you want to be back for that. This week, um, I want to just, we're going to um, start Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. Verses 26 to 31. Page 598, and the Bible's there in the seats in front of you. I would say uh, this, I just wanna, we don't I haven't said this. Uh, I just want to let you know if you don't have a Bible and you're using that Bible, um, take that one home with you. Mark it up this morning, write in it, uh, go home, use it uh, to read in, it's, it's, it's yours. Isaiah chapter 40. Let me read this passage, starting at verse 26. It says this, Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. Some of you have been around the Bible, have heard that verse before. I want to comment on it in a minute, but let me set it up this way. Uh, so I had my sabbatical this past summer, and we were going to spend this summer really talking about it. I wasn't really prepared to talk about this end of it, but what I, I will be vulnerable and share. Going into my sabbatical, um, I was weary. Uh, it started really last summer, I think, as I say, into the fall, the winter. I was weary. I would use words. I was aching, hurting, um, I I was in those positions, maybe some of you have been there, where you drive home from work and you're thinking, is this even worth it? You ever been there? I couldn't quite put one foot in the front of the other. I was just, there was a lot happening in me and around me. And I was sitting with a really good friend. Um, he's another pastor here in this community. Uh, deeply trust him, lean into him. And you ever get with a good friend, he just vomit, just bleh, it all comes out. And I'm sharing with him. And he's, he's doing what good friends do. They just grieve with those who grieve. And he's sitting with me and listening. And then he just asks this question. I love friends that don't tell, but they ask because they listen. And he says, Adam, do you know how to grieve? Now, when he asks the question, I'll, I'm, I'm intuitive enough most days to know that you're probably asking that because you don't think I do, right? I'm like, I know how to grieve. Yes, you feel sad and you cry. Grieve. That's what you do. I cry with the best of them. My kids kind of has a little hobby. We watch America's Got Talent and they love watching Dad. Oh, he cried once. Oh, he got a second, two. He's up to four, guys. I mean, I just cry, those little vignettes. you ever watch the show? You know, you see they tell their human story, and I'm sitting there just, it's all over the place. I watch a good movie. I better take tissues along. I mean, it's just what happens. So I cry. So look at him, and he goes, but Adam, Adam, (laughs) no, no, and I'm not here to teach you, he said. I'm not here to instruct you, but I would say, learn how to grieve. I said, okay. He says, here, I'd suggest, and I want to suggest to you, because some of you are grieving this week. If you're a reader... This book will take you an hour at best. It is little, it's tiny, uh, it's written by a, an Episcopalian priest of all things, which I, you know, kind of chuckle at because I don't run in those veins and in those tracks. But so it's, it's written by John Claypool, called "Tracks of a Fellow Struggler," and what it is, it's it's his sermons. He was a pastor, and his ten-year-old daughter passed away. And so what they did is they took his sermons that he was preaching through this season and took four of them and basically just transcripted them and you have this. So it's easy to read, it's conversational, It's but as you're reading it, he covers this passage in it. And so I'm reading this and I'm trying to figure out, okay, so I don't grieve well. I mean, what does it look like to grieve? And and I'm 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 how do we do this and what do we do with it? And what I began to realize is what John Claybal led me through in a very profound way, and then as I'd interact with my friend on this, is that a lot of times how we react in the depths, when the shadows form as the clouds move across the sun. As the dark nights of the soul set in and we are weary and we're worn and we're beat up and we're exhausted and we just, we can't put two things, two sentences together, our reaction in the depths often comes from our vision of God and our expectations of him. And John points out just in a very profound and gut-wrenching way that a lot of times we fall victim to false promising. We fall victim to the notion of what ought to happen, and then we miss what is happening. And so as he lays it out, he talks about this passage. And if you, if you've, if you have been at a church, around a church at any length, you've likely heard verse 31 but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. You may have seen it posted on an Instagram feed somewhere or on social media with an eagle outstretched with the words nicely and cursively written underneath his wing, right? You've seen it on a t-shirt. You've carried it on a mug. You may have it on your wall at home or someone else's home you've been to and you read this verse and you hear about the front end of it of this powerful God who calls out the stars at night and he names them and this. God that begins to look at you and say, But listen, I take care of the stars. Surely I will take care of you. Do you understand who I am? I strengthen the weak and the weary. And we have this idea in the Christian church, at least I did, <laughs> that the victorious Christian life is soaring. You know, I heard so many people this week say of Donna's passing, they quote 1 Corinthians 15 Death, oh, where is your sting? And I'd say, it's right here. I, it stings. I don't think Paul was writing that to tell us that death does not hurt. He was writing to give us hope that there is something for the Christ follower beyond death, but we were not, ex- we were not created to experience death. It hurts. It's a tearing, a ripping, a wrenching. And so as John unpacks this verse, he pointed something out just, it, I'm like, how did I miss this? And as I say it, you're going to think, how did we miss this? So again, we have this idea, God, man, the Christian life is victorious. We're champions. We're victors. We're conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We're children of God. And all of that is so true. But look at the passage again. Look at verse 31. But those who trust in the Lord... You heard. You heard that video lead into this. Trust in the Lord. Simple words. Trust in the Lord. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high in wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I want you to think critically in this verse. Soar like an eagle. Run and not grow weary. Walk and not faint. Do you do all three of them at one time? No, this is when it came alive to me. You don't. Some of you in here this morning are soaring and you are flying high and praise God. And I trust, with, I trust that you are soaring because of your trust in him. And those of you who are soaring, we don't want to take anything from you. I want to wrap around side of you and the scriptures say rejoice with those who Rejoice. Praise God that you're soaring. Others of you in here, you're not quite soaring, but you're running and you're running hard and you're knocking off the to-do list and you're getting it done and you're, you're pushing forward to the goals. And again, I trust that you are doing that because of your trust in God. Praise God. We'll get around you and we'll celebrate with you. Yet, there's another season of life and some of you, many in our church this week are there. I'm not sure I can put one foot in front of the next. And look what the verse says. You may not soar. You may not run. You may barely be walking, but God will assure that you don't fall over. You don't faint. That's where I was for the better part of a year, leading into sabbatical, when my friend comes to me and says, Adam, learn how to grieve. What I wrote in my journal, I pulled a page out, just this is one of the things I'd written, and this was written in bold letters, and I wrote it almost every time I journaled. I'd write it right at the top of the page. Hold on, hold on one more day. God is able. I trust him. See, when I'm always looking for the the flying high and the soaring, I think I miss what God is really doing. And you know what? It's okay not to be okay. The Puritans, the Puritan writers, some of you know that maybe uh, if you know your history, the Puritans really kind of founded especially much of our country here in New England. Jonathan Edwards, maybe you know that name. The Puritan writers had a keen graspfulness. When you read them, they used a word called muddling. They used it regularly in their writings, learning to muddle. Muddling, we look at, if you talk about muddling in most Christian churches, they think, oh, you're not godly. You're only muddling. Muddling is that I'm just kind of pushing through life. I'm getting through. Oh, clearly you don't believe in Jesus because if you believed in Jesus, you would be soaring. That's kind of where I was. I didn't say it that way, but that's how it was in my mind. And I wasn't then learning to just sit down and say, I've experienced loss. I hurt. I even have a piece in here that feels like betrayal. I have, and it started to name those things and say, you know what? It's okay not to be okay. Because here's what I learned. When we don't grieve, we're not being honest. We're not being honest. And God can't meet us in those places when we're not being honest. So just to sit down and say, it's okay not to be okay, God, you're going to meet me in this place. I trust you. That's what it says. Look at the promise again. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Doesn't mean you're going to soar. You might. And if you do, praise God. It doesn't mean you're going to run. You might. And if you do, praise God. It might simply mean you're only going to get one foot in front of the next. And you know what I'm going to do for you? Praise God. It's just as much of a miracle for you to get one foot in front of the next as it is for your neighbor who might be soaring right now. The same God strengthens us in both places if we trust him. So that's what I wasn't prepared to share. And I wrote that in to just, I had my whole message written and, and after I had it written, it's by Tuesday morning, Donna passed away Tuesday um, afternoon, evening. And I just came back in Wednesday and said, we got to re-tool some things. So, um, What I want to do now is just pause, ask the team. The team's going to come back out and lead us in a song. It's a song that you may know. It's a song, um, Good, Good Father. It's a song where I think what it allows us to do is is wrestle with trusting him and be able to put back into words, God, I trust you. I trust that you're good. I trust that you're for me. So that said, um, let me pray for us, and I want to ask uh, Jonathan just to kind of step in and lead us uh, through that time of singing. God, uh, this week has been hard for so many here at Bethany. We grieve um, the passing of a dear friend. God, this year has been hard <laughs> in many ways. And God, not just the church that Step out beyond the church, there are people here who are grieving, who are hurting. They don't even know they're grieving. They haven't even stopped to, maybe they're like me, they're just crying, but they don't realize what it is to grieve. God, would you meet us in those places? You promised to. All you ask of us to do is to trust. But man, it's scary. So scary. God, we don't want to muddle. We want to succeed. We want to soar. We want to be champions and conquerors. And God, we trust that maybe the day will come when we get to. But for those of us maybe that are hurting, God, may we meet you in this place and know that you're a good father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: You can stand and join us in singing. of love. We're so thankful that you love us. Truly, you are perfect in all your ways. We just trust that this morning. Amen. Maybe may be seated.
0: Okay, everyone take a breath. Hope you can trust God. What I'd like to do now is shift, and here's what I've... Uh, I want to share a little about my sabbatical now. I tailored some of this too. I'm not going to give you everything I wanted to share, so maybe that'll come at another time. Oh, well, maybe not. Um, But I want to talk about what happens then when you grieve. I think because when you grieve, you're being honest, and when we're being honest, we can expect to meet God in a very special way. So I met God on my sabbatical, and he began to do some work in me that I think he was trying to do over the last year, but because of my inability to grieve and just sit down in those places, I wasn't getting it. Uh, So in the sabbatical, I got it. So if you will, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. That's on page 3 and the Bible's there in the seats in front of you. I want to read this story to you. Um, This is a it's a well-known story, uh, likely you've, I mean, in fact, America's Got Talent this past week. They had an Adam and Eve uh, thing in it. I mean, even the world knows this story, kind of knows it well, but I think we missed some of the details in it. So this is the creation of the world. Uh, God in Genesis chapter 1, he starts out on day 1 and he works through day 2 and day 3. Day 1, he basically says there's light and there's darkness and I'm going to split the two so that we're going to have uh, morning or daytime and nighttime and then he says, okay, now day two, and he works his way down through each day, creates the heavens and the moon and the sun, and then he creates, he just keeps working and creates the water and the land and the fish and the animals, and he gets all the way down to day six. Each day has a little different thing, and after each day, he looks at his creation and says, it is Good. He gets to day six, and he decides, he has a conversation. You're going to see, um, he's talking. It's the God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all present. You learn that other places in Scripture, but you are going to see God refer in a plural way here. So he gets to verse 26 of chapter 1, where he's now going to make us, mankind. So it says this, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God, what's the word? Then God, I want to say it, blessed them. Then God blessed them. We'll hang on to that. We're going to come back to that. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life, and that is what happened Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy, because it was the day when he rested from all of his work of creation." This past summer, as I took the sabbatical, I had a real vision moving into the sabbatical. Something, I actually, I was supposed to take my sabbatical a year ago. A number of things happened that was un, well, unable to do that. So this year, I'm coming back in. I still carried the same vision. I heard God clearly say to me, Adam, you've got this window of time. Your oldest is 15. Your youngest is 8. You've got this window of time where they're all still at home. Um, they're not, Luke's not working a full-time job yet, so his summer's not all filled up. Ava, our youngest, is old enough that when we do our family activities, we can still all be together. You know when you go to... Hershey Park, it's like with little kids, the little kids can't go on all these rides, and the big kids can. As you as your parent, you're like, What do I do? Because you feel torn all over the place. Well, we were, at this, we were at this beautiful age where that's really not the case right now because they're all kind of in that same. So we're all excited. So I heard God say, I want you to, on this sabbatical, I want you to do, take a trip that encourages your kids to dream. Uh, it really increased the word wonder kept popping up in my mind. So I wanted my kids just to be, just their minds blown. With who God is, as they step out and see the world. Uh, so that's one of the first things. The second thing was, I want your Adam. I want you to go as a family and serve, especially serves uh, um, those that are under resourced, the homeless, the addicts. Uh, step in and walk with them. And so we picked a ministry out in Los Angeles called the Dream Center that walks with. Has uh, been around 20 plus years. Matthew Barnett started that. Does gives away more food than any other organization in Los Angeles. Um, deals with. They have 180 male residents. That usually have come off the streets from homelessness or addictions. They've got roughly 100 and some female residents. They deal with foster care. They walk with veterans. They deal with clothing ministries. You name the social... A brokenness in LA and they are likely doing something for it. They have a whole city block um, that they own now and they work with. So we, uh, I step out and I try to figure this out. We weren't quite sure how to make it happen. Well, someone comes along and gave me a gift that was bigger than just about any gift I've ever received in my life. And they said, we want to bless you in this way to take this trip. Uh, so I was able to go home to my kids then. And I said, hey guys, <laughs> I said, I was so stoked. We gave God the glory. I said, where do you, I let them basically dictate where we went then. So while well, the whole trip was, basically laid out. If they're going to experience wonder, what are the things you've always wanted to see? So um, the first thing I heard was from my eight-year-old. you know what she wanted to see? Some of you know. I've talked to me already. you know what she wanted to see? She pipes up real quick. Dad, I want to go to Las Vegas. (laughs) So we went to Las Vegas. (laughs) That's where we started to increase wonder with our children, and again, we, it kind of worked out good because if you want to fly to the West Coast, your cheapest flights, I'll tell you what, do some, it's crazy. You can get into Vegas pretty cheap, so that's where we started. Um, so again, but we, it, it did increase our wonder. It's actually a somewhat, believe it or not, family-friendly, yes, there's some very unfamily-friendly parts of Vegas, but the, the strip and everything that was there, and so this is the, the Bellagio, you guys always hear, maybe hear that reference, so these are the fountains that go to music, and this is my son here. and We're checking that out inside the is the botanical gardens that are just mind blowing. So we're walking around, take us out, and so we're just blown away at all that man can do. And then we kind of continue that. We we went to the Hoover Dam. Uh, some of you guys rec- maybe recognize that if you've been there. They're in a serious drought. See this see this color back here in the rock. They're in a 19 year drought. That's they only they don't have too much further to go, and the water won't even activate the turbines anymore. I mean, it is a craziness so. I know we're getting a lot of flooding right now, but I'm like, you know what? I'd rather be here than there. I mean, it's, everything's brown. They call it golden. I kind of laughed at this. Everything's brown. No, it's golden. No, it's brown. I'll go with brown. Um, so, so we went to Las, uh, We went after Las Vegas. We saw the Hoover Dam. And again, we're driving out across the desert, so we're seeing different landscapes. And as we're driving, we're, um, we were listening to Galatians. We uh, read on, so every time we'd make a drive, we'd listen to scripture and, and work through that. My kids hated it, but we did it. Just, so, you know, I don't want you to have this magical feeling like, oh, Adam, you're such a spiritual family. My kids didn't like it. So it. It was, so we did it. Um, we walked out, of the, but then they got to see, you know, the engineered feet and the beauty of, I mean, just blew our minds. I mean, it's just what man has accomplished. It's like, wow. And then we got out into uh, Flagstaff where we stayed for four days and we got to see Sedona and Slide Rock and all kinds of around there. And then because of this gift, we got to do, like, we got to we got to kayak through the Redwood Forest. We, we got to do things that just I could only dream of doing. One of them was, we said, well, let's go see the Grand Canyon out of Flagstaff. Well, how did, I don't know. Let's start trying to figure out how do we get up there. And so I'm doing research, let's take a train. Say this cool train. We loaded up on a train and took a train up to the Grand Canyon. So that's that. Just increased our wonder there. We left. We left Flagstaff and kind of came down through Arizona. Uh, this is in Phoenix. This is Tanya's uncle's backyard. Um, I mean, that's a cool backyard. I'd, I'd, <laughs> I was like, wow, I'm moving in. Um, but this is, this is his backyard. It's two of my kids there enjoying his pool. But it was just a cool moment of engaging with family and connecting with relatives. And um, So that was, that was a, a real blessing. And then we left Phoenix and we hopped on a plane and flew into L.A. and that's then when we hit the Dream Center. So the Dream Center is already laid out, and they have an old hospital. It's a hospital where Marilyn Monroe was born, of all things, way back. It's no longer a hospital. They've now kind of revamped the whole thing, and they have the residence program. They have a leadership school there, and then they have a place for those that are coming to serve on the sixth floor, and this was our room at the... the, Dream Center, now you look at that, and you say, well, they're just, the beds were awful. They were springs, and that was it, and you felt like you were laying in a box of springs. Um, they, it was a small space. You can see we're all kind of on top of each other there. Uh, I mean, it's like a 10-by-10 10 10 room. We had a communal shower down the hall that we shared, and um, it, we had, have you ever been on a ministry, <laughs> on a trip? Some of you have been that. You, you come back, and everyone says, how was it? And everyone wants to hear about the, the glory, and there is always on a trip like this, there's those God moments, those moments of service where God met you and you were used and you felt his presence and you're like, wow, and you got to really roll up. And there's always that. And we, I could tell story upon story of that. And then there's always those, uh you know what it's like a family of six in a room this size? with no air conditioning and windows hanging open at the hottest week of L.A.'s summer, I have mind you, they set records that week, um, of, I mean, it just till we were done, I mean, we all have our own bedrooms at home, save Tanya and I share a bedroom, but other than that, we all have our own bedroom in our house, and so we were like, we can't, so we leave this place, I set the context, and um, we were gonna, gonna go up and hit the Redwoods in Yosemite, but here's where God met me. We left this place, I've been doing this work um, leading into my sabbatical of learning to Isaiah 40, just walk and know I'm not going to faint. One foot in front of the next. God, here I am. I'm going to be honest with what I'm experiencing. I'm not going to shelve stuff, hide stuff. Just name it for what it is. Sit with you and talk with you. So the next place we stopped was a town called Cayucas. We just looked for this off-the-beaten-path, little hole-in-the-wall tucked-away place, off Route 1, along the coast. I love the water. I'll show you the, this is, we were on the water. This is our breakfast nook in our house. I mean, literally, you see it there. I hope you can see that. This isn't the greatest picture, but it showed the perspective well. Right out that window is peak. Literally, you go out the place, there's rocks, sand, water. I mean, we got to have the West Coast is so different. We got to have fire. We had campfires on the beaches at night. We No AC needed. I mean, the water is so cold. It's freezing cold. So the air coming in keeps your place plenty chilled. Um, so we're laying at night with our windows open and hearing the sea lions bark and the waves crash. I mean, it, we were, it's like, man, I hope heaven is somewhat like this. This is just unbelievable. So, but here's what here's where God met me in Genesis. When we got to this place, I pulled up. And I said to the kids and said to Tanya, hang out here, because you know, when you rent all these places, you never quite I had all this whole itinerary laid out. I'm digging through, okay, okay, this place says, okay, here's this. So I get up, I type in the key code, just want to make sure I got the right place. I open it up, I want to scope it out before we go out and tell the kids, you know, okay, you're gonna take this room, you're gonna that room, instead of them all coming at once. You know, you parents, you know what happens when they all come in at once. No, I want this room, no, this room. No, so I just said, I'm gonna go in, scope it out, I'll come back out and let you know what room you're gonna have. Uh, so I get in and I'm walking around and I stand in this. No, they weren't there at the time, and I just look out, and the place was absolutely beautiful. It was a place we could not have afforded without this gift, and I started to weep and just cry. I'm like, what on earth? So I stood there and took some time. I thought, well, I got to get composed. I got to go out and meet my kids. I'm like, what's going on in there, Dad? I mean, America's got, you watching America's Got Talent? I mean, what is happening? <laughs> so I got to get composed, so I get myself composed, but I'm paying attention. God, what are you, What's happening? Sit down. What are you feeling? And here's the message I heard. Adam, do you realize that this gift that you have been given is a true gift of grace? Yes, God, of course it is. I could have never afforded it. No, 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 no. I know you get that. But I want to push deeper. Do you really realize you walked away from this and I, in turn, gave it back to you? God, what do you mean? Well, Adam, do you recall it's a few months ago when you were writing that email to the Dream Center where you told them you're not coming? You know why I told them I wasn't coming was because I was hurt. I didn't know this at the time. But I was trying to figure out the money, and I couldn't figure the money out. I knew God asked me to do this, but I'm like, God, I can't afford any of this. How do you want me to do this? So I went to um, an, a, a trusted elder, and I just kind of kicked it around. What do you think? And what do you think if I, he said, and so this elder says, yeah, go present. I would support this. Go talk to the elders and ask for them. I wasn't asking for a lot. I just was like, all I want is airfare and the Dream Center. You guys cover that. I'll figure, I'll figure whatever else we do out on our own. And so I commanded the elders to do that, and they gave me, and This is please, 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 please hear me. This is, not, this is not about the elders. This is about me. And they have all the right to vote in the way they do. They're my boss, right? It's like when you go to your boss and ask for a raise and the boss says no, you know, right? You come home kind of ticked off, but the boss has the authority because they see a bigger picture than what you get. So they have the right to tell me. So they voted a unanimous decision. No, no help. What hurt me was one of the elders said they were going to support, and that support never came in. And I'm like, so I, in my grieving, I didn't know it was grieving, I'm sitting down at my computer typing out a message to the Dream Center, because they're saying to me, we need the money to secure your space. We got your space locked up. We can't hold it much longer. If we don't get the money. So I type out to them, sorry, long story short, sorry I can't make it. I'm going back through and editing the email, and my phone rings. If you have been in that moment? Maybe you're driving down the road and you're completely zoned out. All of a sudden, something happens it a you. This is kind of where I was. I'm like, whoa. And I didn't even look at who the ID was. I just quick grabbed the phone and picked it up. Just out of instinctive, like, whoa, hello. And I've, I've, I thought, hit send. Now, wait till the phone call's done. And I'll, I want to really make sure I've edited this well before I hit send. So I pulled my finger back, and guess who was on the other side? Hey, Adam, we'd like to bless you and your family and help you take this trip what? Okay. And then they gave the number. And I'm like, we don't need that much. Holy mackerel, we don't need anywhere near that. Use it. So we got, I'm walking into this place realizing not, so part of the grace of understanding, I got more than what I asked for, but here's the thing I really came face to face with. Have you ever been here? (laughs) This is where I was. You hear God tell you something. You know you're supposed to do it. You run into roadblocks in doing it. As you run into roadblocks, the, the kind of the road rash can pick up. You walk up to the door. Here's kind of the image you have. a Picture of that door back here. I walk up to the door. God says, Adam, I want you to go through the door. I get to the door, and it's blocked. People pushing on me. So instead of walking through the door, I step back. Okay, I'll stay on this side. But guess who I blame it on? the elders. They didn't vote right. It's this, it's that. It's everyone else's responsibility. And God's saying, Adam, he's whispering to me, I ask you to go through the door. So here I was sitting and writing an email, walking away from the thing God's asked me to do. (laughs) And he graciously gave it back to me. And it's in that moment when it all hit me. Oh my goodness. Adam, do you know far too often, I think you do this. And this is the beauty, here's the link, of grieving well, stepping in, and then resting. It's often in the rest moments. Do you know when you lift weights, you actually tear your body down? And do you know when your body rebuilds in strength? is when you're resting. So as you learn to push into the grieving and sit down and ache and say, God, here I am, and then step into rest, your body begins to re-strengthen and build itself. And God in his grace in that moment just overwhelmed me and says, Adam, stop giving away. You're a dreamer. Dream big. Live accepted. Be yourself. You stop looking for creative ways to make this thing happen. And Adam, that's on you. Walk through the door. You say, well, how does this have to do with Genesis? You say, what does Genesis have to do with this? Well, I stepped into this and come back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. I am convinced one of the greatest pains in life is never knowing that you've been blessed. When I coached football, I saw young, angry men all the time who never heard from their dad, you are blessed blessed but it's not just young angry boys in football i'm not saying all boys in football are that way so if you've played football and you're like that's not me adam that's cool but as i look in life i see it all over the place grown men who are still acting like little boys because they're craving for a dad's blessing a daughter who's aching for a mom or a dad to have blessed them uh, or, or hearing it from a coach or a boss or a teacher we're craving and, and so much of what we do in life is we clamor and we pull and we're trying to prove ourselves and make ourselves enough and do enough and be enough and, and accomplish enough so that we can know, Adam, you're blessed. That's where I was standing there. And look at what God says. Then God What? Say it with me. Then God blessed them. Can you turn to the person beside you and say with a little conviction? Not just because Adam made me do it, but say with some conviction. You are blessed. Look in their eyes and tell them that. Even if it's a stranger. Go ahead. It'll it'll be good. Some of you are going, I don't have anyone beside me. I guess I'm not blessed. (laughs) Now, some of you go, but Adam, 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 Adam. Sin has not entered the world yet. I don't care. We can deal with that later. The reality is every human being has the image of God stamped on them, and he looks at you, and he says, I am a good father. I am for you. I have blessed you. It's the very first thing God utters to humans. We don't know what he said. All we know is this is the attitude he portrayed. Now look at the very first words that we have recorded. I love this. He blessed them and said, be you say B. What's B mean? Not a little thing that flies around and stings you, but what is B? I love this. Simply B. See, here's what, here's what, um, here's what beginning where it happens, and as you continue to read. So there's B, and then you continue reading, and here's what really hit me. Now, wait a minute. Adam's first full day is God's seventh day. Adam's very first full 24 hours. So God says, hey, be fruitful and rule and subdue the earth. But but you're gonna need to wait a day. Gotta wait a day. Why does he have to wait a day? Because it's day seven, is Adam's first day. So he says, live from a place of rest, Adam. Be be with me. You notice he doesn't say do fruitful things. He doesn't say bear fruit. He says B you're blessed and be see, here's here's what I realized I was doing in many ways. And I think this is what this is the message that the world sells to us something fierce. The message is, you need to go do something, Adam. You need to go do something. You need to be a successful pastor, a successful preacher. You need to be a great chaplain and care for people and a counselor. And You need to go do things. You need to be successful because then when you're successful, then you're going to have something. So I want you to do something so that you can have something. Okay, now I have a successful job and I have a career and I have, and I have something now. I have influence. I, I now have something. And when I have something, now I finally get to be something. But Genesis lays out something very different, does it not? God says, you are something. You are blessed. And then the, the be, the simply be, and that kind of flows out because he says, okay, because you are something, you have something, and because of all that, you get to do something fruitful. In other words, have children, rule and subdue the earth. But it all runs backwards from what the world sells us. As I stood there I realized, oh my goodness. Where else in my life have I walked away from things that God has asked me to do because I'm too afraid? I'm afraid of losing a job or getting fired or, or being without income or because I'm too afraid of what they might think or what they might do. or what I'm too afraid because I'm still grasping, trying to be something and not just be the authentic person that God has blessed me and called me to be, not just to be the person I can sit down and say, I am loved. And even more than that, for those of you who in this room who are followers and believers in Jesus Christ, you can sit down and say, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You are fully loved. You've not been given a spirit of fear. But a spirit of adoption. And you're an heir. <gasps> Look at all that I have out of that. And out of that comes the fruit. But I had this whole thing turned around and I wasn't doing stuff because I was afraid. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I could I could upset some people in the church. I could upset an elder. I could I could lose my job. I could this, I could. God's whispering to me, Adam, be with me. I'd be with me. I've blessed you to be who you are. You're a dreamer. Go dream. Go dream. I heard this message too. You know what it takes to dream? Guess what it takes to dream? Sleep. Have any of you had a dream without sleep? <laughs> that's kind of a tongue-in-cheek way to say it, but I'm like, that's true. Be, just be with me. If I would ask you, um, are you resting? Because part of grieving well And then resting well, I think, completes God's ability to step in and ah, here's who you are. So, are you resting? Be honest with that question. And when I say resting, you can say it in a couple ways. Number one, are you resting as simply a child of God? Are you a believer in Jesus? And can you just rest in the fact that you are forgiven and totally forgiven? If you're not a child of God, man, push in and ask why not. Learn to rest in that place. Rest and be secure there. Second thing I'd say is are you resting with God, just sitting with him and being with him? Are you taking that day? doesn't need to be Sunday. Some of you are nurses and in the medical field. I don't ever have Sunday off. I work every Sunday. But take that day where you are resting with God, not just getting the chores done, and get, but resting, listening. It's one of the reasons I quit coaching. Some of you have been asking me, are you coaching this year? I said, no, I'm not. It was, it was a thing in sabbatical. I just realized I got to say no to it. It was a hard thing to say no. As a matter of fact, when the coach first called me, the, the director of the league called me and said, would you coach? I'm like, mm, well, uh, what, what did you have in mind? Well, I'd love for you to be the A-team coach. Well, is there going to be an A-team? No, probably not. Sure, I'll coach. <laughs> I knew there was like zero chance it was going to happen. So then the A-team falls through. There weren't enough kids for the A-team. Says so I get another opportunity to come. And I finally said, no, Adam, learn your lesson. No, I can't. As much as, And it's been hard because I love it so much. The impact that I think, I hope I've been able to have in a, in a couple kids' lives and families. But I said, I got I'm in a season right now where I have to say no. Why do I have to say no? Because <laughs> I have to rest. If I can do it and still find rest, let's do it. But I wasn't able to do that. So that's the thing. Now, here's what I just want to wrap up and close with. You say, here's the part that I'm going to give you in five minutes what the whole message was going to be about. (laughs) Okay? So, um, matter of fact, I met with Chris after first service. I said, should I just drop this piece? Because I could see in first service it might have disconnected. And he says, no, Adam, I still go through with it. And we talked through some things. And so... I'll shorten it up a little bit, but here's what the whole message was going to be about. But I want to share, out of all of this, you say, well, this has impacted me as a leader, so what does that mean? So the first thing I would say is, I think what I'm entering here is a leader at this church. I want to just be honest with you guys. I want to say sorry, first of all, because I think I've lost some clarity. I think what has happened to my, this, this thing that I do called pastoring kind of started to verge on more of a job than it was a calling, and when it verges on a job, what begins to happen is you start making decisions to do what? Keep your job. And when you work with an organization like a church where there's 300, 400, 500 people that all have opinions, sometimes that gets tricky because I don't want to lose my job, so I don't know if I want to say that or do that or go there. And and so you want to start keeping your job because you realize what hangs in the balance is I've got four kids, and man, they're loving Garden Spot School District, and if I if I have to go find another pastoral gig, you don't just find one down the street. You usually got to go across the state or some. I'm thinking, ah, oh, so, so I just want to apologize. I think I, I didn't totally get there, but I started to waver and like, man, no, this isn't a job. What are we about? And we've said it clearly. We're here to introduce people to Jesus. Let's be bold with that. Let's get courageous. Let's ask what God has called us to do, grab hold of that handle, and open the door up. We say, well, let's give people a place to be and belong and connect oh my goodness, we've got to wrestle with that. And, and what can we do as a body to get better at that and, and be clear with that and help people grow is the other thing we say. How do we do it? And let's invite us all into the discussion to say clearly we've got to be about this. And then everything that we do has got to align around this. If there's stuff of our children's ministry that needs to change, it's got to change. Our leaders, our volunteers, our systems, our processes. What are, so that's kind of where I'm at and I just want to kind of be honest with that. Grieving and resting has kind of led to some of that. The next thing I'd say in in that, and this is where I'll kind of land the plane, if you will, um, we got to attend seven different churches in the area while we were in sabbatical. Do you know what a gift that is? There's some really good churches in this area. In fact, we attended one not far from here. There's a really good church, really good church. I, I thought, well, if Bethany ever fires me, I guess I could come here. I mean, that's kind of running around in my head. Just kidding. But I'm thinking, this is a really good church. We attended the next week another church not far from here. A really good church. Every one of them does something different, though. They all look different. The thing is, I look different than Dave. We're different people. Churches are different. So when you come to our, if you've been to our starting point class, we talk about why we're different, how we're different, and we want to identify why we're different. I think it's important. So it's always important for us to identify what are your values. In your life, what are your values? Because your values drive your behavior. Ever thought about that? The things that you value are going to drive what you do. So values determine behavior. So that's, we're big on values. So we've named our values. We have seven of them. And as I began to look at our through the lens of our values and this clarity and accountability, I started thinking: We say that we value hospitality, and I think we there are a number of you here that say yes, we do. Adana, I mean, boy, it's one of things we're going to grieve and miss her because she got that to the core how she would warmly welcome people. But hospitality, we say it like this. We say, hospitality, we are going to preach to the believers, how we say it, through the lens of the unbelievers. So in other words, break that down. We say all the time, when we craft our messages, we're thinking Christian, we're thinking church, we're thinking family. Yet, we're always going to talk in a way that we expect and hope that guests are with us, so we're always doing it in a way Always doing it in a way that we are saying we know what it is to not believe. We want to bring people along on a journey. So we want our spaces. We want our volunteers. We want our leaders. We want our programs. We want our singing. We want everything to think through the lens of hospitality. So I'm attending these seven churches, and I'm really needing to ask this question. Are we uniquely better at hospitality? Because that's when you have a core value. You ever go to a bank, I, I, if you've been our starting point class, you've heard me say, you ever go to a bank and you walk in and they say, we value integrity. You know what I usually do? Walk out. You know why? Every bank had better value integrity. Every single bank better value. So, prayer Every church had better value prayer. So the only time you list prayer as a core value is when you are uniquely better at prayer than every other church. We are not. Prayer is important here. Very important. But it's not what uniquely sets us apart. I can take you to some churches that that is true, and you will walk in and say, wow, I see the difference. So we're big on prayer. So I began to ask about hospitality. And here's where I'm at. I want to welcome you. This isn't me on stage. This is what we're going to do. I want to welcome you into this journey. I want to ask you to join it with me. Are we uniquely better at hospitality? What is your perspective? What do you see? Where is the guest ignored? What does our space say? I mean, look around this room. What does this room tell you? Sometimes, I don't know, my lens says this room has a bit of a disconnect with who we are. You know, let's start, let's start thinking. So here's what I want to invite you into and really get serious about this. And these two words, think about them. Our world pushes tolerance, something fierce. And it's good. Its Tolerance isn't bad. Be patient, enduring with people. Scriptures would say that. But when I look at Jesus' life, did he tolerate you know, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he ticked people off on both sides of the aisle. He was an equal opportunity offender. I mean, he had people worked up all the time on both sides. He said some blunt things about divorce and remarriage. He said some blunt things about forgiveness. and He said some blunt things all over the place. Yet, when you look at him, he was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. Do you know why? Because he hung out with them all the time. That's hospitality to the core. To the absolute core. And I think we value it here. I don't, I'm not, I don't question that. I want to bring the heart to the surface and engage the conversation so we can be uniquely better in this area. And my greatest fear is, let's make sure that our desire to be set apart does not cause us to live apart. We live in a culture. When you drove to this church, you had a very visual reminder of a culture around us that is living apart, did you not? They didn't drive cars. They're using horse and buggies. And I honor, I deeply honor my neighbors because they're saying, we want to live set apart unto God. Praise God. Praise God but you're living apart from the world that no one wants to join you. And I fear at times that in the church we have such a passion to be set apart, and I say, amen, amen, amen. Don't ever water that down, ever. The scriptures tell us to be holy, for God is holy, to be sanctified and set apart. Amen. Yet sometimes in our desire to live set apart, I fear that we live apart in a way that we're not very hospitable to the world around us. That's where I want to start. And I want to walk up to the door (laughs) as we have this discussion, grab hold of it with enough courage to even allow the elders to say to me, Adam, I think you're the hindrance from us attaining that. And if I can't make the adjustments, then I need to step aside. Not be afraid of a job, but see it as a calling. So I want to welcome you into that discussion, I want to kick that around, I want to talk about that. I'll end by saying this Thank you, thank you, thank you for the sabbatical. Thank you. I had so many of you pray for me, told me you're praying for me. This church at some level values emotional health of its leaders. We have written right into our handbook that every year our director and pastoral staff are to take a one-week retreat just to get away and shut down. Every seven years we take that sabbatical. So I want to say thank you. Thank you for those that prayed and took that seriously. The rest, the rejuvenation that I felt, the, the ability to grieve and step into that was a true gift. I want to say thank you. I look forward to what the coming months have and where we're going to go and maybe some tough conversations and wrestling and hard things that need to be kicked around at various levels of the church. I look forward to that. I look forward with strength of being who who God has called us to be, you to be, me to be, and grab hold of the door and walk through and not shrink away in fear. I think it all comes about, and I'll bring this thing full circle to where we started. Learn to grieve well. We're in a season right now as a church. We've we got to grieve. Grieve well. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with the pain. Step in and be there with God. Muddle for a season. It's okay. And then step into the places of rest and let God meet you there. And man, I promise, I promise, you will be so surprised but so blessed. You will probably ache and hurt more than you ever have in your life, but walk out with more strength and peace than you've ever known. And it is such a gift. that my prayer is that you experience. God, thank you so much for Jesus. Um, God, I, uh, I just want to thank you for the season that we're in right now. I know we don't do that enough. God, we always want to stop, and I, at least I do want to thank you when I'm soaring high and flying high. But God, man, this week I have not been flying high. Uh, God, so thank you for this season. Thank you for the strength that has sustained me to take another step. God, I pray for people right now. I know there are people in this room that are hurting, not just with Donna's passing, but they're aching. In a relationship with a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter, they're aching from um, conflict at home or conflict at their job or they're feeling underappreciated or underemployed or they're struggling, they're just struggle. God, would they step in and sit down and know that it's okay not to be okay and learn to trust you? God, may you help us experience rest and take the bold moves that are necessary in a culture that pushes 24-7. God, would we be bold enough to say, I gotta take time off i got to say no to that. i got to step back. I got to—I have to do less so that ultimately, in the end, I can do more of what you've called me to do. Help us to be a church and a community that does that well. And God, I celebrate this church that they desire to uh, Donna, Donna's legacy of warmth and hospitality and rolling the red carpet out. God, I don't know what that all looks like in the coming months. I don't know what that all, God, I've got all kinds of ideas, but man, I look forward to welcoming that process and Seeking clarity on that as we engage with our elders and they kick around some of this stuff and we say, man, God, we look forward to it. Thank you that this church values that. There's so many people here that, that are willing to put the towel over their arm and serve. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And God, now I just ask for your grace as we close this service out and um, step into our week and we enjoy the rest of our weekend and our day off tomorrow. Uh, God, I... Um, Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for being a father and for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.